Welcome to Third Fridays, the monthly legal talk show from Lois LLC featuring attorney Christian Cisan. This is the original forum in which real attorneys discuss workers' compensation issues, share their opinions, and engage in colorful conversations. This show showcases diverse perspectives of attorneys handling workers' comp cases, including case law trends practical litigation strategies, and hot topics. Here's your host, Christian Cisan. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the new edition of the Third Fridays podcast. I actually just forgot the month. It's April 2023. Just gave myself a little bit of time to, uh, you know, trigger myself in the morning. Uh, I have a really cool episode for you guys today. Uh, So I'm going to welcome two guests, two attorneys from uh, my office, Tomer Lair and Alexa Cintron. Welcome to the show, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Cool. All right. That was like the exact same things that you said during the test run. So like, <laughs> you know, maybe it's like, it's like in your head. It's built in there. Yeah. So you guys actually know each other. You have a pre Lois like relationship. Not that you were involved. Like the relationship has like this weird like connotation, but like you guys know each other before coming to work here, right? That's correct. So Tomer and I were both law clerks um, in Passaic County Superior Court. We were in the family division. Tomer came to Lois directly from that job. I did something else for a little bit, and Tomer always kept typing up the firm. And then when I was looking for a new place, here I am. Yeah. um, (laughs) I mean, I I think I remember messaging our group text uh, probably six months into my, my job here trying to pull in some uh, some new people but I, she I, was she was fixed at that point i think i probably have that message because it was in like a group yeah yeah so like you were at that first that first intro like you felt like oh i'm good where i am like i don't need to yeah move. it was a different area of law it's yeah. the kind of law i wanted to do in law school but then and i was so it was fine at that point but then right wasn't really into it anymore and needed something new right and you know joining the rest of us here there's I don't think there's a single attorney out of the 45 to 50 that we currently have that was like, I'm going to be a workers' compensation attorney, right? Yeah. That's, I would right? agree with that. And so, yeah. so when Tomer reaches out to you and you're like, well, I'm in the industry that I planned for, like, to move industries, you're not thinking yeah, about Yeah, I was kind of honestly like, like, what are you talking about? Dude? I was what? shrugging off. I was like, no, I don't want to like workers comp. Yeah, I was like, what? Why yeah. would I do that? And like, also, like, didn't know anything about it. Never really like in law school. No one ever talks about workers comp law. So I was like, nah, I don't know if I want to like learn a new area. But it was honestly kind of a not a seamless way in, but you learn day by day that it's a good area to be in. Yeah, and uh, not I guess what we're gonna talk about today. It's it's almost like it, it's it's. It's not overshadowing how much impact you have on the firm, Alexa, but really one of the best contributions ever is this book (laughs) that we're going to talk about today, right? Uh, It's called 3,000 Questions About Me. Uh, It's very shockingly part of our day, right? Yeah, it wasn't supposed to be as much part of our day as I think it is now, but the questions are great. It's just, it's a good little break from the day, you know, uh, take a step back from, from, you know, the, the work and start to, I guess, get to know each other through this book. So I think it's been pretty nice. And we, like Alexa has been saying, we've been, I think, using that book Other quite pe- often. Yeah. People like uh, come to me, like run to my office now, like, can we do a question? Yeah. I'm like, let's, let's do yeah. a question. So 
as as our listeners are, are hearing this right now, they're like, still, what is this What's book, right? right? So 3,000 Questions About Me is literally 3,000 questions. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be this icebreaker style, uh, you know, pamphlet that you just ask a question and everybody gives, you know, some information about, you know, how they feel about a certain thing. And uh, it kind of brings us closer together. Like, it's like you said, Tomer, it's like a break in the day. And... I started thinking about it because there are a lot of questions here that do apply to like what we do in our work life, right? And I thought it'd be kind of fun to just do a podcast to show you show our listeners like how you guys have have evolved as attorneys and really demonstrate that we are a firm that not only works really hard, uh, gets good results, but we like each other. Right. It's yeah. kind of fun, right? Yeah, right. Yeah learned a lot but just by these simple questions I know some things about my coworkers that probably would have never come up in normal conversation okay so almost like a game show right we've done it in different facets like I have or some, some other person has just rifled through the book and picked a random question or someone else has just picked a number from 1 to 3000 and we ask that question which one do you guys think we should do? Or maybe we should do both, but what do you want to do first? Start with a question. All right, for the, let's start with a number, I think. A number. Yeah, pick a number. Yeah. All right. What number? Uh, 1,763. 1,763. That's a good one. Three. Right. This is not, this you know, is, rehearsed, this is right? Not, we did, this is not a big number, I promise. Right, no, and I appreciate the conversation fillers that you guys are putting in right now as I try to find <laughs> 1,763. Sorry, I, I could have chosen seven. No, 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 it's fine. Oh, this is interesting. Oh, no. Perfect. <laughs> what is the worst book you've ever read? The worst book I've ever read? The worst book I've ever read in real... Like, well, I'll, I'll go first, yeah. right? I So I think, like, uh, there are a lot of materials that are out to help people learn a topic, right? Mm -hmm. Train and get yourself. I mean, Alexa and Tomer, you guys came to us with no workers' compensation experience, and now you're just killing it every day, right? And I do think there are a lot of materials uh, kind of available for someone to learn, right? And so the way that I learned was actually this horn book from... Uh, Weiss and Balter, the workers' compensation law. I think I have, I definitely have a copy in this office somewhere. And it's not, it's not the worst book, mm-hmm. but it was so, it was written by two claimants' attorneys at the time, and everything was geared towards like being a claimants' attorney. Mm-hmm. And so I would read it, and it'd be like pro tip, and it would say all these things about how to, you know, to really navigate the system or to use cases. And I always thought, like, there should be a defense horn book. Mm-hmm. And now we have one, right? Like, we do this every year. We update it with new case law. We've now branched out into risk transfer, construction practice. I'm thinking to myself, I need a book. Right. But worst book, maybe worst book in... Law school or personal lives? What do you guys think? Like, what's like? A, what What are the elements of a bad book? I think so. I read in law school. I was in a negotiations class. It was like a sim. It was more like a simulation class. You'd actually go out and do negotiations, 
And the book for the class was like, obviously like a bullet point of like, this is how you negotiate. This is how you become a good negotiator. And As I just, if there's one way. Yeah, and I just wasn't buying it because looking at the, doing the, what the book was telling me, like in practice, like it was so, in law school, I was in these simulated negotiation classes, but I also was in a mediation clinic and I would go out in civil claims court and do mediations. And like the book was not helping me for the real life simulations. It just what you couldn't follow a formula to be able to negotiate. Sure. You could get the skills and I understood that part of it, but like just the way this book was like telling you, like, if you do this, there's no way you will not succeed. And then going out and like being like a naive law student and like going out and doing a real mediation and then not succeeding, I was like, what am I reading? So luckily, like I kept taking classes like that throughout law school and like there were better books out there that were kind of more like a theory of it than rather than like do this. So yeah, this one book from my negotiation class really books are also becoming less uh, mandatory, right? Mm-hmm. I think they're there as like helpful uh, tools. But I mean, t- like you're talking about negotiation. I mean, take mock trial, right? Like, you didn't read a book to place as high as you did last year, right? And you know, with our program starting in our this year's program starting in a few weeks, I'm not going to give you a book, mm-hmm. and you're going to be doing some live negotiation for this fake fact pattern. And I think you have to build your practical experience with some of the tips. I mean, I we do have a lot of internal materials that we provide our attorneys and paralegals to train on, but at the same time, it's the execution of those standards that really start to build the foundation of how to do things. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, I, I was just thinking about that too. Um, I, I, I also took a media, er, uh, negotiations class back in, in law school, and I was involved in some divorce mediation. Of course, when we were law clerks, we also were doing um, consent conferences and there was sort of pseudo mediation um, type um, situations. But like you said, you know, there's so much you can get from reading. Uh, I think the the sort of tangible practice of negotiating, mediating, and just real life experience that you get just from doing things really, you know, changes your your arsenal when it comes to these sort of things. And I think that it's applicable in, you know, not only what we were doing back then as, you know, law clerks, but the way you perceive yourself in in court, the way you discuss things with pro se's and opposing counsel, um, that sort of real life interaction that really hone in on those skills, I think that's what really makes it, um, you know, a lot better than, than those boring simple books yeah. that we were reading back in because law school. Because honestly, no book, especially when we were doing uh, in the courts, no book teaches you how to talk to a pro se. Yeah. So that you really need to like take, you need your experience with just like how you've learned over the years to really like, because they're, you have to give them credit. Like they don't know the law like we do. They don't know really like procedural steps. So getting that, like you said, tangible experience and like learning how to talk to different groups of people that is better to me and learn in terms of learning how to negotiate, do mediations than right. reading just a textbook. Yeah. Okay. So I think maybe the worst book is like a book that tells you this is the way to do it, right? Yeah. Because think about how many things we've all learned just from conversations with other attorneys and paralegals oh, in the yeah. office. Yeah. It's it's those things that not only bring us together and more like become make us become more tight knit, but also have more lasting power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Do, do you think that, you know, when you're reading one of these sort of books that tells you a particular style, a particular 
um, negotiating style or litigation style that you're almost pigeonholing yourself into becoming that sort of type or is it more so a means to mold your character and your persona I guess I think it's that's a great question because I think when people talk about skills on in the written word you have to be a really great writer for the the reader to visualize that happening you know other than just reading right, right. and you know people will listen to this podcast and they'll come tell me oh like what you said about this made a lot of sense or can you talk about this in the next month's episode and it's because that form of learning seems to have more of a unique way to mold people whereas if you were to see like okay this worked out right you read like an article like how much staying power does that really have right how many news articles or articles of any sort that you read on your phone you remember in right. like a week or two Exactly. Right? Yeah. But the things that you hear have some type of different mechanism. Now, maybe, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are people that definitely learn more from reading than listening. Right. But I'm not one of them. Neither am uh, I. I need so. to, like, have it, like, I need to hear it. I need it spelled out in a certain way. and I, need to, like, I even need the visuals, too. Yeah, and, like, like, I need... You guys I will need see it. me always on the whiteboard. The whiteboard right. is the most helpful thing. When yeah. I was prep, when you were helping me prep for one of my, like, first hearings, like, I remember you pulled in the whiteboard and you spelled everything out for me, and I was like... Oh, okay. That makes so much more sense than me just reading what I'm supposed to be like learning. Right. Like at the risk of like being called a professor like all the time. Right. 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 Sometimes so it's just, worth it. Yeah. Just hint, hint to the attorney listeners out there. <laughs> if you like learning with a whiteboard, yeah. Come give me a call. Mm-hmm. There it is. All right. There it is. Good. Good first question, Alexa. Do you want to go with a number? Or do you just want to rifle through the book? I'll give you like I'll do three fifty. Three fifty. Yeah. All right, three fifty. A little bit easier to find. Okay. I'm not sure how we're going to turn this into workers' compensation, but I want to give it a shot. Okay. Okay. What nickname have you been called that you detest? Uh, Wow. Um, (laughs) in this office? Well, it's got in the like the yeah you have part of my job. Yeah, I think just you know if it, it if it. Obviously, is politically correct, you know, right. and <laughs> got to keep those things in mind, right? I mean, that's obviously key. I mean, you do have one. I mean, <laughs> Tomer calls me Tomer, and um, our other friend Julia, who's paralegal at this firm, call me Nerd Alexa. Yeah, oh, that's and yeah. It, it, but I think it's it stuck pretty well. It too. stuck pretty well, and I honestly, I don't take it offensive. Well, well I that I detest. I don't detest it, but right, right. I don't take offense to it, but I it started because I'm newer. I'm I'm still learning like day to day of like what the big world of workers' comp defense. So I don't know. Sometimes I'm kind of like hold away, like really concentrating on something, and they're like, "Don't apologize for working yeah. hard." No, I'm working. Yeah, and that's how that's how it, it it started as a playful way because yeah, yeah, yeah I, there were times there were sometimes that I wouldn't leave the office. I think nerd has a a, a negative connotation, but it was definitely I don't even take it love. that way. I wear it with I, mean, I, I I'm proud yeah, of it. Right. I, I just want to make that clear. It was more so like uh, you know, as Alexis stated, she she's I guess a bit newer, and I think more early on in her time here at Lois, you'd see her you know bring bring home the laptop. And you know, getting some late hours in. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not there's saying there wrong is. With it. But I don't want you to do that. No, like, of you don't not. have to. No. no, I was saying in the more of like in the sense of when I just started, like I was, I came here with absolutely not an ounce of workers' comp experience. I was 
practicing in New Jersey. I never right. did New York. I was I never did any like New York practice. So I was nervous starting. I was like, all right, this is new. Like, they they're giving me a chance with no experience. Like I wanted to I wanted to learn. Yeah. And as I kept going, like day by day, like once you're more comfortable, like I realized, like oh, this is kind of fun. Like I do like what I'm doing. Like I want to learn more for it. Like for this job. So I think that's where maybe like a little nerd connotation comes in. But like yeah, I mean, how many meetings do I start? Where I say, like, sorry, guys, I'm a little bit of a nerd about this. Like, I I, <laughs> I think of nerd very positively for so some reason. Yeah, I'll rip yeah, it. I, I yeah. agree. I'm here. I, mean, I think like, it more so shows dedication and hardworking mentality. So, when, you know, I would never rip on one of my coworkers in a, <laughs> like an like, you know, outwardly <laughs> negative way. So, obviously, when no, I'm saying it's all that, in good fun. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll exclusively go by. I actually, ta- taking it back to the first question, when I started, I, I wouldn't take the laptop home because it was a very big part that uh, of the job that was impressed upon me was, you know, the work-life balance and make sure that you're, you know, you're happy in like uh-huh. your, your personal life. I, since I didn't know anything about workers' compensation when I started, and I still believed it to be very dry because you're learning literally the law and the statutes and the cases, I would take those types of horn books home and before I go to bed, I'd like read a few pages and it would knock me out, right? I just go to sleep because <laughs> yeah. it would be boring enough because I didn't have any foundation. And right. then I was surprised at how quickly like I would just capture certain things because it became a routine. Right. No, and that makes sense. And like, again, like in my earlier months when I'm here six months now, I feel like I wasn't as comfortable like talking to my coworkers about topics because like it still wasn't like impressed upon me that like oh it's really okay that you don't know what you're talking about but like this environment very early on I learned like I can just like go into anyone's office and be like do you have five minutes to just explain this to me like Christian how many times do I do that to you like it's getting less it's getting less it's It's getting less but in the beginning sometimes I even think about that it's like oh you know when someone's (laughs) starting like they're not coming for help they're not asking questions and other than the time like I can use to allocate somewhere else it's very refreshing and uplifting to see the progress of someone because it's like it's like we've all been there Mm -hmm. right and when you see it happening to another person it just creates this like environment where you can all like share Mm -hmm. in the wins of other people right um i've had a lot of nicknames with just variations on my name (laughs) right you know um uh our practice manager calls me chrissy which I hope no one else calls me. It's like, you know, um, another partner calls me Cease, like, you know, for like Cison, which was really interesting because that was a sports nickname that my brother and I used to get in high school. Like, and I, I never said that to anyone. And, uh, this other person calls me that. Yeah. Um, and then of course, you know, a lot of people call me Chris here more as like a joke now right. because I've said that growing up when I would have friends over who would call me Chris my parents would be like his name is Christian <laughs> right? so mom I'm sticking up for you 
okay? <laughs> his name is Christian. Chris is short for Christopher. I think I'm also a little guilty of, of calling you Chris in the office. So I definitely I, call you. I, I, I started to, but more as so like sorry. a... Right, just apologize to my mom. I don't, I don't, I don't really mind. <laughs> I don't mind. All right, go one more. Okay. And uh, I'll just flip through yeah, the book and like almost like stop on a question. Okay. All right. Let's try that out. All right. Have you ever accidentally injured anyone? That's probably the closest question we it's have not, to work right? as compensation. <laughs> have you ever yeah. accidentally injured anyone? Accidentally injured someone. Um, I, can't, I can't think of any time where... I'd You've just been good, upstanding been people. Good. Like, yeah. you know, I don't yeah. think Aware I've of ever... your faculties, super coordinated... Well, I'm definitely right. not. No, I probably definitely <laughs> accidentally injured myself, but um, that's true. Actually, no, but in a way now, like when I, if and when I do see people get injured, I cannot help but like think about this job now. I like right. think of like right. the ins and outs. Like right. even like I was, I noticed like my shoulder was sore the other day, and I'm like, I'm like starting to do uh, like, like the, the abduction, abduction, and, the and I'm like, oh my god, like it's it's. I think yeah. I guess to frame this question more in a workers' comp way, like I. Again, like anytime I see like an injury now, I'm like, oh, what kind of doctor yeah. are they going to? You think it's going to be an orthopedist? Like, I notice myself yeah. thinking that way. And I think it's funny to yeah. think that way when you just see like any type of injury. Right. Yeah. I, I, I kind of had that same, I guess, realization after working here for now, what, a year and a half, I think. Um, I remember, I think I was browsing on some social media. Um, and I came across a video of an employee who was, you know, exaggerating uh, a pain from lifting what looked like a 15-pound box. And I'm starting to think, like, how does this work into 114A? You know, <laughs> what kind of things would we be putting in? Like, how would this surveillance help us or this closed-circuit footage help us? And, like, it, you know, now that, you know, we're kind of integrated into this into this field, um, yeah. those sort of, I don't know, those sort of hits just kind of, because right. Those, right, because that isn't an accident, right? That is a no. fabrication. That's right. an mm-hmm. intentional misrepresentation of what that claimant is uh, doing. Whereas, you know, have you ever accidentally injured someone? Those injuries are most likely compensable, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're uh, inherent risk of doing the particular job, right. Sure. right? Like if you are working on a construction sl- site and you're working with various materials that maybe maybe are strewn about and you, you you slip over them because of all the work that you're doing, that's a legitimate injury, right? Mm-hmm. I can't even think of of a defense that we would use unless, you know, you're intoxicated. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe you did this on purpose, right? right. And now I'm actually thinking of all the defenses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just I can't think of it. Don't worry. There he goes. There he goes. And it does make you think about what you do every day. I like to think of that as a good thing because you're subconsciously doing it from a happy place, mm-hmm. right? I think there are a lot of people that go to work every day and you know, when five o'clock hits or whatever the time is, they couldn't be happier to just punch out, clock out, and start the weekend, start the night, right? right. And while you know, we all do that here. This place is like a ghost town at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that the things that you see outside of work, if you're applying them to what you're you're doing in your work life, 
I feel like it's your subconscious telling yourself like this right. is this is a good thing you're doing like this is working out because it's 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 bleeding into your personal life in a good way, yeah. right? Right. Like, None of us are going to cocktail parties like, guys, you'll never believe all these cases that I no, worked on every single day. Exactly, and I feel like it also brings like a good, it's like, now that I have like this new knowledge, um, I have like different kind of conversation starters with people. Like I have a lot of friends in the medical field and it's cool now to be able to like understand some of the stuff that they're doing because I read a lot of medical reports. Like I was recently on vacation and I randomly, we were at, on this like food tour and there was an IME doctor on this food tour from New Jersey and I was like, oh my God. And then we just like in another country sat and like talked about the job. And I was like, that's cool that I was able to like contribute to this conversation with somebody that I randomly met in another country and I enjoyed talking about it. Right. It's, it's the, the feeling that you get when you're talking about it because mm-hmm. there will be a lot of people that do... You know whatever that they do for a living and they will shy away from talking about that or they'll be angry about talking about that and those are the things that I think people don't realize you know plays a role into their overall happiness I mean we're here you know for a good chunk of our waking hours mm-hmm. yeah of course and to not like it would just be sad. yeah 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 <laughs> a little sad yeah, yeah. So, I think that's I think that's a good that's a good point. Should we do one more? Yeah, why not? Let's do one more. Let's do, it. Let's do one more. Okay. Right. I'm gonna run out of questions. Yeah, I wonder how many of the three thousand have actually. Ooh, have you ever faked your way through something? And if so, what? Hmm. I mean. Could you associate that with, like, not that the arguments are fake, but, like, in court when you're, like, when a judge is just not buying or, like, going for your argument, but you're still there, you're still, like, vigorously defending your stance? Like, I feel like that kind of emotion to an argument could be like I don't even know if that's fake though right it's not that it's fake but it's like I need to you're finding like an alternate way to to reach a solution maybe it wasn't your first way right um I don't think obviously there's going to be a perfect analogy to the claimant who you know engages in symptom magnification at the doctor's office but I do think that there's you know I mean the phrase like fake it till you make it Right. right is like has like a negative connotation or mm-hmm. built around it. But what I think people do is lean on their like their humanity, their their just person to person skills, their right. communication skills. Because even for someone like me who's been doing this for a long time, if I go to a court I and I hear an argument from the other side that like is completely out of left field, I still have to use those skills right. too. Um, but I think like you know, faking something is more indicative of what we see on the other side, right? True. Like, how do we know what the other side is saying is realistically true? And, you know, bringing in this defense mentality, right? Have we, if you defend from day one, what are the things you're trying to do? You're actually trying to prove the fact that they're not faking it, right? Mm-hmm. Because I say all the time, this system is really meant for... Uh, 
claims that are compensable to be accepted and paid out and for claims that are like fake right mm-hmm. to use that word to be denied and to be closed right you just you're just trying to find the truth of the matter and if you think about it yourself how many what percent of your cases are accepted claims or denied claims a high probability of is that the number is on the accepted right. side right yeah. would you say like you're you're right now i think i only have like two or three denied like straight out denials right and so if you think about it how much faking is there going on you could even argue that there's more faking going on in the accepted claim because they think they've won right and they probably had a legitimate accident but now they are just like opening the band-aid and letting the wound they're almost opening the wound themselves i definitely have more of those than i do denied claims you guys think that that's the the bigger problem you see every day yeah i mean especially with some of these with these claims where you know you're not having any surgeries and you're noticing that the claimant's out of work for just an extended period of time that just doesn't add up you know you're getting these total findings from doctors and something isn't really right so you know this sort of fake it till you make it mentality seems to be kind of rampant i guess even in these accepted claims where you know we're not denying compensability but these guys have been you know, just kicking their feet up, enjoying themselves um, right. at, the, at the cost of the employer. So, And I feel those are the types of arguments that are, like, not the hardest for me to make, but it's, like, it's sometimes so obvious that there's a little bit of magnification, but just no one's, no one's trying to buy it and, right. like, trying to, like, stress those points in court and knowing you have, like, solid arguments for those points and everyone just being like, no. It's kind of like, what? But it yeah. makes you want to like. You've fight had a hard. couple of those. Yeah. Where you you believe that it's so open and shut, and the system just kinds of turn kind of turns you away because yeah. they just want to find for the claimant. Yeah. And I know that our clients are consistently frustrated about that. And really, I think the value uh, that we bring in that those circumstances is you know the never give up attitude like adherence to the law and and you know I like to tell to tell people a judge is always going to do what a judge is going to do mm-hmm. so if that's so that can be random then why can't we focus on the concrete the the objective like the application of law to fact that's what we focus on right because that's the most fair thing to do right and it works into us all like finding creative solutions to solve those problems when you're consistently finding for a claimant and we we think we have the most concrete arguments like we're forced to go back to the drawing board and be like put our heads together and think of a creative way to get around everything that's been done already and i do think we do that well all right well that was four questions i think our listeners definitely know that we didn't prepare these questions no, no. we took some real <laughs> stretches to, to take the questions and try to make them about workers compensation and the law as much as possible so I hope that keeps building the trust for everybody who's <laughs> listening that there's no rehearsal. This podcast is meant to be you are a fly on the wall on third Friday where there's no hearings in the entire state. And you can listen to the best attorneys in the world talk of shop about what they do for you every single day. Do you guys have any last thoughts? 
I enjoyed uh, my first Third Friday podcast. Yeah, actually. this was fun. I, I'd like to be back sometime. If anyone wants to grab a copy of this book, it's at your local Target. Oh, that's right. Should we just give uh, a right, free plug? Literally, to the, the best eight dollars. It can't only be a Target. But, it must right? be Amazon it's be probably. Right? Like, we don't. We, we don't have any skill no. in plugging things. Go to no. Target. Right? I love <laughs> Target. Uh, Three thousand questions about me. Actually, very funny story. I plugged it to one of my friends. Huh? Uh, because I think like there was a must have been a great round of questions that we did mm-hmm. one day, and then uh, I was having dinner at his house, and he has just started a new job. And I was like, you know, what would be a great icebreaker book. <laughs> Three, th- he he bought it from Amazon on the spot. Okay, right? nice. Uh, so three thousand questions about me. It's a it's a red book with three thousand questions. Literally, right and I think it'll just bring uh, your people closer together. It's just a great way to. Uh, share things with your your group. So for Alexa Cintron and Tomer Lair, my name is Christian Cisan reminding you to defend from day one.